Colin. Thank you, Steve. I pray. going to read a few verses from the book of Genesis, from chapter 24, just to, at, the end of the, at the end of the chapter from verse 62 to the end. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahairoi and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes when she saw Isaac, and she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took the veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after the death of his mother. I don't know whether you know the story, but uh, the, immediate, the immediate context of, our, of the text that I want to look at this morning, which is verse 63, Isaac went out to the field one eve evening to meditate. Uh, Abraham had sent his servant to, over to um, uh, w where his family lived to find a wife, a wife for his son Isaac. God blessed Abraham's servant uh, in his mission, and he return, he's returning, as we've read, uh, to, from the house of Laban uh, with Rebekah to be, to be Isaac's wife. And as they approach where Isaac lived, our text tells us, this is what I want to look at, this, just this one line, Isaac had gone out into the field to meditate. A couple of weeks ago, you rem may remember those of you who were here, Sammy uh, came and he was ministering God's word and he showed us the Lord's faithfulness uh, when God tested Abraham uh, uh, when he was offering up, uh, when he asked him to offer up Isaac, his only son, as a sacrifice. And we saw then how the, the Lord provided a lamb for the offering instead of Isaac. Um, uh, I would like briefly to look at Isaac, both as a boy and, and a man, uh, just to get some idea of, of the effect that this, that incident would have had on the life of, of, of such a young man. So we look first at just a, a few minutes at uh, Isaac as a boy. Uh, and try, if you could, it's difficult, I know, try to put yourself in his place, what he's, had, what he's been through as a lad, um, being offered on an altar uh, to, to God as a sacrifice. Um, he is Abraham's only son, a son Abraham and his wife Sarah have been praying for for decades. 
to fulfill God's promise. They waited and they waited. So he was surely a loved son, a loved boy. And God gave um, Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. And no doubt when Isaac grew up, which we come to a bit later, he would remember the grace of God that provided that substitute, that lamb, uh, that he should not be sacrificed. So in this sense, from that time onwards, Isaac had, if you like, first-hand knowledge of God's intervention in his life. And I trust and I hope surely some of you do know that exactly yourselves. In time, I would tell you how God intervened in my life, and I'm sure we could hear testimonies from all God's people here this morning, how God intervenes. God has, has this way of intervening in power and might in a life, whatever sort of life you've led. Abraham would have taught Isaac the significance of the incident uh, when he was offered as a sacrifice, because we do read about uh, God's dealings with Abraham. He said, I've cho God said this, he said, I've chosen him, that's Abraham, that he might com command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So he would have been brought up in a godly environment. And no doubt Isaac truly loved the Lord and would have magnified his grace uh, for such an intervention. It looked like he was going to die. It looked like the end of everything. Uh, but God provided this substitute. And I trust that many of you uh, uh, would prize God's grace as God has intervened in your, in your life. There's a, there's a very real sense with, with this little family that, that Abraham and Sarah received Isaac twice because he was born to them as a baby and then he was born again, if you like, when God intervened at Horeb on that mount when he was to, to be offered up. So if you can then think of this, this young man, we, we, we don't have much information about him, we, we have to fast forward, press the fast forward button and we come to Isaac as a man. We're at the point now in his life where his dear mother, who he clearly loved, uh, had been, died, been dead for about three years. Um, he's still mourning the loss of his mother. Uh, it says in, in Genesis chapter 25 that he was 40 years old at this time. So here we have a 40-year-old man um, still mourning the loss of his mother. Because you think of it, think of it, it was just a, such a tiny, tight-knit family living in a godless environment. There was Abraham, there was Sarah, there was Isaac. Believers in a, in a, in a hostile situation. And Abraham's servant, who had obviously um, been with the family some time, he was a godly man. He certainly came to know the Lord in, his, in this mission that, that Abraham had given him to go and find a wife for Isaac. And he, and he worshipped God when uh, the, the mission is successful. So we meet Isaac now on his way in the evening, going out in, uh, to, to, worship, to worship God. We meet Isaac, if you like, in his evening meditation. This is surely significant. Um, this is the first thing we learn about Isaac, a man, that he's to be alone with his God, seeking to be alone with his God. So we must conclude that 
that this, this is the, the important thing that, uh, that the Lord considered us to know about the man. If you like it, in a sense, it almost describes the man. If you say, what's Isaac like? Well, if you want to go out in the evening, you'll find him worshipping God. You'll find him meditating upon his Lord, upon his Saviour, uh, uh, having, been, having been saved uh, by the substitute of that lamb. And many of you, I'm sure, have uh, been saved by substitution, as Isaac was, but not an animal lamb. You've been saved by the lamb, the lamb of God, the, our Lord Jesus Christ. And many of you, I'm sure, have been brought of the love of God uh, by godly parents or friends or here at great parks among the Lord's people or in some other assembly of, of the people of God. And I trust then, if, if you're thinking uh, about how we, how we might know that, I trust your people then who like to be alone with God. Because this is the issue, this is one of the important issues in life. Um, there's religion, and there's a relationship with God. And they are not the same. This is, this is, this is if you like, the centre of what I want to speak about. If you like, you could say, biblical meditation is my subject this morning. And it, I want to say at the outset, because it's not a word we use much, even in Christian circles. Biblical meditation is com the complete opposite of mystical ethos. Eastern religion and meditation, which we hear a lot of in our strange modern world, uh, it, where, where mystical Eastern religion will tell us to empty our minds, or, or in yoga we're taught uh, that style of meditation, we're to empty our minds. Even the English dictionary will contradict this. I looked up, I thought, what, what does it say in the dictionary? It says, to consider thoughtfully, to engage in contemplation, especially religious, to consider deeply, to reflect upon, to turn over in the mind. So it's not emptying our minds, it's concentrating our thoughts. And if you remember uh, the words of Paul uh, in Philippians, in chapter 4, he tells us what to fill our minds with. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about things. And when I read that, and I was preparing, I thought, well, surely that's a description of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's true, he's honourable, he's just, he's pure, he's lovely, he's commendable, he's excellent, and he alone is worthy of praise. We're to fill our minds with the Lord Jesus Christ. To look at the word itself, before I actually get into uh, what, what I think it means, but the word in the, la in the original language has this, um, I can say, sort of carries a, a connotation, if you like. It has to do with muttering or imperfect, unsuppressed, imperfect suppressed sound. Um, uh, the, the best example I could think of was Hannah. You remember Hannah? Uh, when she was in such anguish through, through her, uh, her husband's other wife who tormented her because she had no children. Well, Samuel's mother, as she became, she was in bitterness of soul. And she went to pray when they, were up, when they went up to temple once a year. And Eli was there and he saw her and he thought she was drunk. 
because her lips moved, but there was no sound. This is, this is something of meditation. She's there in the presence of God. She expects God to hear what she says, even though there's no audible sound. Her lips move, but there's no sound. That's something about, the, get the idea of, of the word meditation as it is in the Old Testament here. It appears, this word appears, I've found it 20 times um, in the Bible. Now, the original word uh, in, in Hebrew um, and the equivalent in, uh, in Greek uh, is also translated in, in the, both the Old and New Testament as prayer. It's the same word, but the context seems to change the, uh, the way that the translators have put it. Now, that appears... Five, over 550 times in the Bible, as you could imagine. Uh, so if you think, it, put that in your mind as well, uh, when we think uh, of meditation. And this, I think, leads us to see that, that the real, real crux of the matter, first and foremost, if you like, when we think of meditation, it's a matter of the heart. This is our heart reaching out to God in prayer. This is uh, how we engage uh, with with, through the Holy Spirit, with our Saviour and our God, which I hope is what we'll, we'll look at uh, this morning. So Isaac, he goes for a walk to be alone in private prayer and thoughts of the, the promises of God. Um, remember Paul said when he wrote to the Colossians uh, that we should set our affections on things above. So it, it's a hard matter of setting your affection uh, to, to be with God. Many people, when I, this, because <laughs> it says that Isaac went, went to walk, um, was out walking when he went to meditate. And many people, when I, say, when I say I enjoy playing golf, often come out with the old adage, the old saying, oh, golf, a good walk ruined. When I, there may, maybe if you say, saw me play, you, you might agree with that. But that, what I was thinking was, Isaac shows us how to make a good walk better, how to employ yourself when you're alone, how to take, take matters uh, to a completely different level, if you like. Because when, when it comes to meditation, we, we, and, and if you like, deep engagement with the Spirit of God and the presence of our Lord, we need solitude, we need to we need, um, be alone, we need quiet. Now Isaac chooses a a field, whether it's his favourite field, whether it's one he always went to. He hadn't been there that long, I don't think, because we do read earlier on that he'd been in further south uh, and he came up to this place. I assume this was to do with his, his employment. Um, but he was, he was there. This was how he, able to be, he was able to be free from all distractions. If, if you look at many of David's psalms, he's in the wilderness uh, when, when he prays and when he writes his psalms. Moses, you remember, he was in the backside of the desert, he says, when God actually revealed himself in, uh, to Moses in that, in that burning bush. And there's, there's always there's this sense, even on a human level, you know, when, when you want to be with someone you love, then you like to be free from distractions. We've just had, some of you know, we just had our 60th, um, wedding anniversary, and for the first time, I can't remember. How, I don't think it's happened before that we, that the children and the grandchildren, we've all been together in one place, 
I know we've been together maybe for weddings and funerals and things like that, but you have the same opportunity to talk. Here was just the 15 of us together last Saturday, and it's marvellous because you're with the people you love. This is, this is the, the essence of what we're trying to get at with, with Isaac um, being alone with God. Take it to another level, if you like. Now, if you're married, maybe you maybe hope to be, and when it's that special girl or that special boy, then you seek opportunities to meet them, to be with them, to be alone. You don't want anyone else interfering. You want to be with them. This is Isaac wanting to be with, with his, his God. And there's an amazing thing about this, because you would expect, if it's a boy and a girl, you'd expect it to be mutual. Obviously, uh, they both want to see each other. The amazing thing is, this is how it is with the Lord. This is, this is how it is with the Lord. This is a, there's a verse in, in Hosea's uh, prophecy, chapter 2, verse 14. This is God speaking, and he's speaking about his people. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her. It's not just that Isaac wanted to be alone with God. God wanted to be alone with Isaac. That's how real religion is. That's how heart religion is. That's how our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is. So Isaac goes to meet his saviour. And one man I read wrote this, he said, There's nothing lost in spending time with our Lord. You never know how he might bless you. Well, Isaac was blessed. He met his wife when he was out to meditate with the Lord. This is in Isaac's case. I thought I'd say this because it was the evening time. Uh, I don't think it's, it matters if you could say that all hours are the same to the Lord. David speaks of the night time he does in, in Psalm 63. He says, when I remember you upon my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. On the other hand, Solomon says, when I awake, the Lord's word will talk with me. So whatever the time you choose, it, what matters is that you take time to be with the Lord and able to hear his word, as we sang in the hymn, that, that God's word would feed, feed our hearts. So practically, you say, if you like, biblically, what, does it, what is it to meditate? What is it to draw near to God? What is it to know God's presence? What is it to see the glory of God, which we will hope we would do, the excellency of our God when, when we seek his face? Because James does, James writes uh, this, this a wonderful promise, draw near to God, which is what we're seeking to do, and he will draw near to you. There's a react, there, has to be, there has to be a reality in this. This is not a religious exercise. This is a relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is, this is coming together with him. But we come... We have to remember, we do come to a king. Jesus is, is if you like, the king. He rules in, in the hearts of his people. So when it comes to our affections, our will, our choices, our tastes, our decisions, he should govern all these. So when we come to meditate with the Lord, we, we need to ask ourselves maybe one or two questions. I think that would... What views of sin does your knowledge of the Lord 
give, produce in you. What, when you need to, we need to take this out. Not other people's, your own. This is a relationship you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, when he has come, that's the spirit, he convicts of sin. So when we come to, into the presence of our God, we need to take sin seriously. And then secondly, you say, what views do you have of the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart? How much did you look forward, like Isaac obviously did, uh, to coming into God's presence? David said in Psalm 27, and he's very single-minded about this, he says, one thing, just the one thing, one thing I've asked of the Lord, and this I will seek after, that I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. And then the third thing I think we should ask ourselves when we come to seek God is, what fruit does your Christianity produce in your heart and life? Because Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. Surely one fruit must be, like Isaac, you desire to be with Jesus. It must produce this naturally, the work of God's Spirit in, in, your, in your heart. One man I was reading on this, about this this week, he wrote, wrote about drawing near to God. The most prominent element is prayer. The special manifestations of longing for him. A movement of the soul when all thoughts and affections are toward God. And another chap said, from experience I find, this is really good, from experience I find that freedom in prayer largely depends upon study of the Bible because communion with the written word seems to be a staircase to communion with the living word, which is what we're after, isn't it? We're after communion with our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to his word. When you come to meditate, go to his word. Joshua was instructed, and this is, this is a, I should say, this has to be a, a determination. Uh, when, when Moses was dead, and Joshua takes over the, 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 head, the head of the nation, and just about to go into the promised land, we went on the borders of Jericho there, uh, God sends this word, Moses speaks a word to him, and then God speaks this word as well. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate in it. Go to God's word. You may go over, I was thinking of, you, you can go over God's dealings with you at the end of the day, perhaps sleep evades you, especially when you get to our age, sleep is something that seems to disappear. But So you can meditate, you can, um, um, David actually says, meditate with your heart on your bed and be still, which is great. But I think here, both Joshua and, and Isaac and James in, in the New Testament, they speak of a more deliberate, a determined, a determined mindset, a determination to draw near to God, make time, take time, plan, plan to have time. And then James says, that do, if you do so, God will draw near to you. There's, there's, I have to be careful, we're looking at the time, but there's some wonderful promises in the scriptures. Uh, Solomon writes, and this and really is, is the Lord Jesus speaking. My beloved spoke and said, Rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. He's actually calling us. He's calling us 
to fellowship with himself. And of course, I could say that gracious hearts always respond. Gracious hearts will come to the Lord. This is wonderful to try and make it even more personal. There's this wonderful promise in Isaiah 58. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. You think of it, this is the eternal God. And you come, you've had a rotten day. You come, you need to get alone. You need to get with, with the Lord. And you come and you cry to him, Lord, help me. And he says, here I am. Every, this, is, this is the living God. Here I am, he says. This is tremendous intimacy that the Lord has with us. Uh, it's as if he said, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready, I'm waiting. Just call, call upon me. I urge you all to do it. To do it. Because this is what you need to do. We need to meditate on your sins, hunt them out, all their lurking places. This helps our confession when we come to God. Meditate on your needs. God is well able to meet whatever that need is at that point when you come. Think how needy you are. Think how, what mercy and strength and power you need against sin. And it's all available. Meditate on all your past deliverances from danger, the good counsel you've received in the past uh, in times of doubt, um, and the comfort that the Lord has provided in times of sorrow and distress. Remember the goodness of God when you come to meditate on your God. Above all, meditate on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, like we do when we come round the table, but, but many more times. Uh, think of the blood of Christ, eternal life, forgiveness, seasons of grace when the Saviour has visited you before. And one man wrote this, which I thought was quite interesting. He said, when you have, by meditation, put the wood on the fire, I'll leave that, <laughs> wrecking the equipment now. Sorry. <laughs> when you have, by meditation, put the wood on the altar, as it were, by fire, by prayer, set fire to it and offer up a sacrifice of praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as, as the psalmist put it in Psalm 104, I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. So, believer, I pray that you will take to heart uh, the, the, what Isaac did in seeking to get deliberate, consecrated, definite time to be with the Lord Jesus. Maybe, maybe you sit here, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you haven't got a clue, uh, you've never sought God, not, not in the way I'm speaking of. Um, as I said earlier on, we're not about religion, we're about a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God made us for. But maybe you've, you know nothing of, of, of what Isaac experienced or what I'm trying to speak about. Well, I can say this, that God has gone to tremendous lengths to bring you into fellowship with himself through the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. You remember, like you, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, enjoying this fellowship that, that, um, that Isaac knew, 
They decided quite deliberately uh, to disobey God. And they lost all of that and became sinners like all of us. And maybe you are in this condition, you know, nothing of a relationship with God. Well, the wonderful thing is that when Adam and Eve fell in such a way, what do we find the Lord doing? We find him like Isaac, walking in the cool of the day, looking for Adam and Eve. He didn't, he didn't say, that's it. They've, they've, they've blown it. They've ruined it. They've gone. That's it. They can look after themselves and see where that gets them. God's out there in the cool of the day, like Isaac, walking, looking for Adam and Eve. And he's, so he's out there, if you like, in this fallen world, in this cr crazy, chaotic world, looking for you. That's where he is. And he's looking for you through our Lord Jesus Christ. No one, Jesus himself said, comes to the Father except through me. But he also said, so come to me. He said, come to me, all you that labour and are heavy laden, come to me. This is the glorious message that we have been given to proclaim, that Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way uh, and the only way to the Father. Uh, that Jesus is the way uh, to come and enable you to to meditate on the goodness of God. Now, you may be a stranger to God. You might even be an enemy of God, uh, deliberately. But the Lord Jesus Christ has made this way into the Father's presence, and it's what Hebrews calls a new and a living way. This is a living relationship we have with, with God, God through the Son. The sacrifice that our Saviour made on the cross was ample, was more than enough to turn away the just anger of God against your sin, against my sin. It was effective, it worked, it did exactly what God intended. And so he is, in a biblical term, in a theological term, he's a propitiation for our sins. He turns away the wrath of God. It's dealt with. He pays the penalty for our sin and he provides us with a righteousness. And all that took place in the garden and on the cross, um, but that, was, that, in one sense, wasn't the end of it. Because in order to bring us to, to the Father, um, Jesus sent the Spirit. He provided us with a new heart, which fits us for fellowship with God. This is eternal life, Jesus said, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is not, if you like, intellectual knowledge. This is not just, just to know about God and Jesus. This is to enjoy fellowship with them, to enjoy a relationship with them, to be able to meet with them in your ups and downs of life, everything that comes across your path. So if you're not a believer, then seek God, meditate on his word, draw near to him through Jesus. This, if you like, is the very essence of the Christian life. This is what we were made for, fellowship with God. It's what God intended, it's what Adam and Eve knew at the beginning, it's what you can know now, in this life, in this world. Uh, John wrote in his first letter, in the first chapter, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, which is what I'm doing. We have seen and heard, um, uh, we and I proclaim it to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
And we are writing these things, John says, so that your joy may be complete. This is the way to joy. This is the way to real happiness, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way to an easy conscience when your sins are forgiven. This is the way to be able to offer praise and a life worthy uh, to God uh, by the righteousness that Jesus provides. Uh, When when, um, the Lord was uh, speaking to Jeremiah, uh, there's some wonderful promises in in Jeremiah, although it's a terribly tragic book in a way, but it's got amazing promises in it. And one of the um, one of the statements, if you like, is that, that Jeremiah is taught to say, "The Lord, our righteousness. I am righteous." He says, "That's a bit much." Who are you? I am righteous because I'm clothed in the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing to do with me. This was God's decision. He's a marvellously merciful God. And he chose to cover me with his righteousness. I can enter his presence. He won't be offended. Not, even when Colin Thompson enters God's presence, there's no offence because I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ, which is perfect. This, can, this is the offer. You can, you can know a relationship with Christ. You can meditate whenever you choose on the glory of God. You can have fellowship with God when he forgives you your sins and when he clothes you in his righteousness. So ask him, ask him, ask him. And, and each one of you who I know loves the Lord, um, take time, meditate, know the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought we'd close with uh, song number 37 because it speaks... It speaks of um, this relationship, uh, and it's based based on the psalm. Uh, I haven't written it down. I think it's um, 42. Um, As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. Our souls, if they are really in a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, will long for him. So I hope this will be the prayer of us all as we sing it. Uh, to to long uh, for our sakes and our God.